Our roots make up our very essence. They are crucial in determining who we are and who we will be. Our interests, our passions, our personality. We want to live to the fullest, never missing a thing. We want to take in as much of the world as possible, to drink it with eyes. We are a mix of instinct and passions. Sometimes those things led us to study and fell in love with a new amusement. As designer here in Tangity, we have a lot of different passions, and one of those, for many of us, is photography. Framing the world through a camera lens gave us the chance to step outside of the picture and capture life stills. Architecture provided the ideal model, buildings were like silent muses, inspiring us with the harmony of their lines and the shapes. The camera has become a sort of second skin, with no expectation or constraints, it just reflects who we are. When photos are no longer enough, we feel the urge to create something from scratch, to fill a blank canvas with our vision. Images carry with them the ability to evoke emotion. Even if it's one it's not aware, individuals are inundated with purposeful creation facilitated by graphic designer daily. Reading sign, surfing the internet, watching television, reading a book with graphic content and perusing a magazine in the waiting room of a doctor's office all expose the beholder to graphic design. Design changes and evolves. It's unpredictable and that's what we love the most about it. We don't see clients brave as constraints, but rather as a creativity opportunity. Comparing design to ocean, a sunny day may suddenly turn into a storm with the huge waves. So if you want to be a good design surfer, you must be able to swiftly adapt to the changing weather. Hello everybody, my name is Diego and I'm pleased to host the second episode of a brand new podcast. The Untangler is the podcast channel powered by Tangity, a global network of design studios and part of Entity Data Network. You can find us in Italy, Japan, UK and Germany. And this is the Munich studio, the stage where the story that you're going to listen is set. I'm gonna untangle what Belin Somogivari is all about. He's a visual designer that grew up in a new reality for his country, between Eastern Europe tradition and Western world influences. Um, I was born in Budapest, Hungary, and um, I grew up also there. So I'm, I'm from Europe and I have the roots in there. And, uh, but I think, as, as we all know, Europe is, Europe is very colorful and therefore uh, every country has a different spice. But it's one big soup, and uh, I'm I'm spiced with with red pepper, and mm-hmm. uh, this is what I also try to um, bring into my workplace or bring into my social connections, and I think this enriches them a lot. It was uh, yeah. 1987. Yeah, 1987. How was Hungary in the time? Yeah, um, you know that's very interesting because, as you probably know, we were in communism. Mm-hmm. But um, <clears throat> and we had like harder communism and softer communism, and we are like true '90s kids. So basically, we only had the after time of this. Mm-hmm. 
so you can still feel some, you know, you can feel what was before, but mm. you have no idea because you have never lived in this time. Your parents did. Yeah. So what they gave to you is based on that. So I also can sometimes feel that I definitely have some values, what they mm -hmm. had, like the, the values from this time, like... I don't know, I wouldn't go into detail, but uh, communism and I have a Russian friend and we can laugh a lot about these things, how we mm -hmm. grew up, because it's very special, very specially unique and uh, they really managed to um, to have this ideology in people's lives, you know, yeah. and uh, it doesn't matter if it's Poland or Czech Republic or Russia, we have some shared stories for sure, yeah. even though we are 90s kids. So we had this mix of um, freedom and capitalism and Walt Disney and mm -hmm. Windows computers and you name it. And we had this idea of, or education, classic education from, from socialism also. And the architecture and the world around us. Yeah. It's, it's not something what disappears from day one to, to day two. It's uh, very interesting. Yeah. Balint belongs to the first generation of Hungarian and Eastern European kids to get in touch with the capitalism economy and culture, but living in a context built by 40 years of communism. So we enjoyed full freedom um, and it was, well, I have to say, I, I didn't have, I had a nice childhood. I wouldn't say that it was depressing in any way. Mm -hmm. um, So we, I don't know, this switch was, was possible. We, we were the first generation and I, I can, because I, I moved to Germany, I can see that 90s kids here had similar issues. So we somehow came close to a, mm -hmm. to a common cultural uh, uh, growing up in the other European kids. This was the first generation who probably can speak about same issues or or same, yeah, getting older and cultural patterns um, because we were not so separated anymore. Yeah. We were allowed to travel mm -hmm. to Germany also with my parents in an old Trabant. I don't know if you know that car. Yeah. From made from paper and stuff from <laughs> Eastern Germany. And uh, for, like my parents really tried to bring this idea of international and, and, and other cultures mm -hmm. into, into my life because it was possible. The contamination with other cultures opens the way to the world, but it is where we come from and uh, how we grew up, basically our roots, that drives our intention and desire for discovery. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm from outskirts of Budapest mm -hmm. and I have to say I didn't go into city center until I was 16. Mm. So I had my micro community there. Yeah. I spent a lot of time on the street playing with them or cycling or making some, you know, tracks on the street, crossing the street and the, the, <laughs> the um, um, pedestrian area, yeah. like making the people crazy. But there was not a lot of people there. So <laughs> we, were, we were making our world as a playground. Yeah. And I think this is again a, a difference for kids today. I don't know how much they, they do this, but we try to be creative on, on the street. Like we also had um, 
field next to our mm -hmm. houses. It was all houses with garden. This is my background. Mm -hmm. And we just went out to the field, found some hidden parts there and built some from, from parts of the trees. We built some, yeah. you know, caves or whatever you can imagine. <laughs> and then we played there like boys do it. So I would say it was a pretty creative and yeah. normal. I don't know if it's a good word for that, but... Is we this just, maybe your first approach with design and design mentality and creativity and uh, to build something? It can be, can be. I was really pushing this. We, I can remember that <laughs> for this racing on the street, we did it with different stuff, with uh, inline skater or with um, skateboards or with bicycles, anything which can roll. We rolled and we made competitions. <laughs> and I can remember first time I, I really met with industrial design i started to to design some cars mm. we wanted to build but i didn't care if we can build it or not but i drew it <laughs> so i had an idea what we want to build as a new approach for race with each other or something like this on right. the street i mean these streets you can imagine it was empty yeah if a car came we went to sign and that's all but it's a very very calm neighborhood Creativity and imagination for every child is a vehicle to overcome reality. And often when you have limited resources, your head runs at unimaginable speeds. This sets your interest when you have to choose your education path. I had some first try and errors about drawing, designing and photography, even before deciding where to go in a higher education. And first, I mean, this is, was also, I mean, in Hungary, you have a blue book for um, universities mm -hmm. with a lot of, um, with a lot of um, education programs, which I was not attracted to because they are all the same. <laughs> for me, they were all pretty boring, like, you know, law or economics yeah. or engineering, yeah, yeah. all these classical the classic thing, every, everywhere the same. Um, and I just didn't find anything cool. Mm. And I applied for tourism and they didn't take me. Well, they took me to some random city and I knew it's not worth it for me to go there. So after this all was done, there is another book where you have the education list about not universities, but some special like mm -hmm you know, schools which give you a paper, but it's not a diploma. It's a diploma, but not a bachelor, bachelor or master paper. Okay. And there I found something, um, an art school mm. where it, it costs money. Yes. Mm -hmm. But um, I was like, okay, maybe it's doable. I don't have the money, but I can just get a sponsor somehow. This was my grandmother. <laughs> and um, yeah, and then they, they, they took me and I had no idea about art before. Choosing an art school is, for Balint, the peak that changed his life. And from this moment, his work begins to revolve around the axis of the visual arts. After that, I'm, uh, I, so there I went to photography. We had, we worked only with black and white on film, mm -hmm. basically, and we drew and we went into art history. 
And then, uh, then I managed to go into to college. Mm-hmm. Then I managed to go into a bachelor photography group. And we were seven people in the class. So it was a super cool um, um, bachelor program because there was like, we were like a family. We helped each other. We spent our nights in the, in the lab developing our films mm-hmm. and photos and preparing for the exhibition. It was really a magical time. The first approach to photography came as a discovery. A child finds an old camera from a few decades ago and there starts the game. I found a camera. Um, I think this story very often starts the same. Kid, kid is finding a camera. Um, this is, you know, this is a gadget. This is something where, mm-hmm. it's, where you can operate, you can do something with it. So I found a Russian camera from the 70s, 80s. Mm-hmm. Do you I don't remember know. the brand? The, the yeah, it was, a, it was a Zenit camera. Mm. Like in Russia, Ukraine, Poland, Hungary, people know it. Zenit camera, only working with film, um, but it was working. And I know that this was the big story in the school that my teacher always said, yeah, look at Balint, he came with this shitty Russian camera and really learned how to be a photographer. And <laughs> it was just cool because this was really like that. I I just wanted to, to do something which I didn't find in the university books. They were for me all boring and uh, photography was something which I brought into a new world. Everything was analog, everything was manual, the photos were developed in the dark rooms. Yeah, we had to, we had to work on, on film. It was at that time where um, digital photography started to develop um, very, very rapidly, mm-hmm. but we had to learn it because in, actually if you think about it, a lot of things what you can do in Photoshop, you can do it with your hands. You can do it with a piece of paper. If it's too, too much light going on one spot, then your paper will be too black. But you can take a piece of paper and just start to make a shade there, moving it so less light is on it mm-hmm. and you have more details. And this is the same in Photoshop. You can mask it and play with the opacity of the mask. Mm. So what I want to say with this, we learned on a, on a manual basis the principles about how to create beautiful pictures. And this then you can also do in Photoshop, doesn't matter. Happiness all starts within you. There's always a moment when you ask yourself, am I happy? Is this job still motivating me? Am I in the right place? Changes are something that happens all around you and uh, at the same time in you. Looking always for the next step is the key to keep on moving. I can say I managed my 10 years anniversary in, in design profession. Mm-hmm. Um, design evolved a lot ever since. So exactly these 10 years brought a lot of changes. And um, now the, dif- the situation is, is, is different everywhere. Back then in, in Hungary, I had one work, workplace, I had one job in a marketing agency. And they took me right away after uni- university. I had one month to do nothing. And then I started right away with no idea about how to do stuff. And then I ended up photoshopping a lot and doing some um, shelves on the supermarkets. Um, 
for I don't know toothpaste mm -hmm. and and um, drinks and whatever you can imagine. Yeah. So it was really like a lot of learning, a lot of operational design, like building stuff in Photoshop like crazy. And I realized I was I always looking what is my next step. Mm -hmm. And I for me there was nothing attractive there because there was only advertising agencies and I wanted something else. I was really in love with branding and I thought I need a place where I can choose, where I have a perspective to always get into something new. Mm -hmm. Plus I didn't have um, Erasmus. So I wanted to go abroad as well. So I put together these two yeah. wishes and then I started to apply and uh, of course it's not that easy to apply from where you are because a lot of uh, employers will start to think yeah how is this guy going to start here I have to support him with a lot because this guy is going to move here and mm -hmm. I didn't I, I didn't care I just I just started and, and let's see what happens and then I moved to South Germany in a very small village in a actually in an in a studio where they made really really nice designs um, I really liked a lot so I, I I moved there and then and then there was some other stops in between and, and then I ended up in Munich and I really had this um, lot of different workplaces with um, again advertising a bit branding a bit and then I started to get to know UX and UI design mm -hmm. You know, back to how it was evolving over time. Back then, UX UI design as a phrase didn't exist. Yeah. Now it does. And now it again does in Hungary as well. So even there, there were a lot of changes happening. And here too. And I was also changing. So it's very interesting. You put yourself on a journey, you go even abroad. At the same time, everything around you is changing and you are changing. So you, I think it's the key is that you always reflect your status in the very moment. And if you are fine with it where you are and you just listen to, to yourself, how you feel, and you also have a look around you. I'm, am I still having the perspective I was dreaming about? Mm -hmm. Or maybe would I have the perspective even at home? So does it make sense to think about moving mm -hmm. home? And, and, uh, how many times uh, did, did you ask that question to you? Yeah, very often. <laughs> I mean, you know, if if you leave, because as I told you, I had a, I had a really nice childhood, and I I didn't I didn't move because I didn't like it there. Yeah, that was not the reason. So of course I'm asking myself, but um, at the same time I'm I'm super happy in Munich, and uh, you always need time until you can say yeah I'm I'm home here as well. Home is where heart is used to sing Elvis Presley, and Munich is for Balint, his new home. Here he found a modern, hybrid and open mentality place to work, something he was looking for. Tangity is the last step made by Balint in his career. I was really looking for a place where there is a lot, lot happening. Well, I went for a coaching last year. And um, I collected some important points for me for the next step of my career. Mm -hmm. And I like hybrid workplaces where you can, uh, where something is mixed in 
And in this case, um, I, whether I, I was thinking about doing something for startups, maybe, where I'm I'm the designer part, and there are some businesses which they which need help from me. Mm. So I imagine myself being a puzzle piece in a construct. Mm-hmm. So whether this or um, a place where there is some technology innovation, something where I know that the working style is on the 21st century level, because in Germany there are a lot of um, conservative design companies where mm-hmm. I just tested, I cannot handle that so well. I need this uh, modern working mm-hmm. where people are reflecting, doing retrospective, speak openly about what went well, what went not so well, yeah. and where there is not a big hierarchy games. I just cannot handle that because I'm not like this. Um, so I had some ideas where I want to go, and then uh, I actually didn't want to find a job so fast as I found Tangity. So it was against my plans, <laughs> so to say. Um, but it was so interesting that I went for the first interview, and then I went for the second interview, and I got convinced. And mostly I got convinced because of this hybrid of IT company and design studio, yeah. which is... Um, this was a good guess from me that this is really unique. So I, even today, I can say that this is something which keeps me uh, very interested and motivated. Balin started in Tangity the 1st of April 2020 during the lockdown period, so he couldn't meet his colleagues personally. Remote work for everybody was something new and he had to manage the situation in a new design studio with a new client. So working remotely, even with the client, um, I have to say that um, there was one of my goal to really work more, more with clients because um, I used to work at companies where um, project managers handled the client and I really wanted to strengthen this skill. Mm-hmm. And um, And I was very happy that I can, but then the problem was, or the challenge was how to do it remotely. When uh, I didn't have any idea how it is that you never meet a person, but you work with them, you have to convince them. You have to maybe, I don't know, you have to make a good impression. Yeah. Um, so how is this possible? And um, I have to say that it has pros and cons. Even even it has pros, I would say, because um, I think if you get dressed, you have to sit on a train, you have to go there, you have to be in the reception of the client. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's a lot of tension what you build up until you get to the point where you can have a meeting or a workshop or a presentation. And this time... Uh, it's easier. This aspect, for sure, it's easier mm. because you just uh, get to your table, you just get to your place in your flat. Yeah. And I think from their side, it's also a bit different because they're also at home. It's an intimate place. And uh, they. I think I had the feeling that it was quite direct with the client, very straightforward, which probably is um a reason uh coming from from home office that uh, people are just having some small talk and also them as um as a group on the client side mm-hmm. um 
they are also separated, so to say. So I had the feeling that we are one working group and um, that was definitely pretty um, a new style and, and, and very uh, effective um, or very um, straightforward kind mm -hmm. of work. Dizzy Bank is the first project he leads, but with the right methodology and mentality, his team found the solution. So now we have uh, projects where we are uh, whether alone or in a two-people two team. And um, I just realized myself being in, in the lead <laughs> of this project. And um, it was really like a jump into the cold water for me um, because I, I found myself um, dealing with um, delegating meetings and uh, delegating about timeline, how to deliver, what to deliver, what to do first, what to do second. Yep. And this was definitely um, a very good training for me. And uh, um, yeah, basically we started off understanding the project, um, understanding what is this um, um, tool all about. This is a tool for managing internal um, project requests for them. And then we uh, got uh, some user stories and we put them together in journeys and mapped them and tried to figure out um, the bottlenecks. And we found some important bottlenecks and tried to really um, find a solution for them. And then uh, we kind of built up around the problems. So we built, we found a solution uh, for the problems. And we also had some interviews, which was not ordered directly, but we found it as a very important step yeah. because I got um, Hedvig as, a, as my um, sparing partner for this project as a UX designer. And we, um, we made some more in order to understand or make the client understand what is user-centered approach, mm -hmm. because I think it's clear for us, but it's so not clear for the client that they don't even brief us based on that. So we have to yeah. um, make some extra mile to make them understand why is an interview needed, how we can be even wrong with our assum assumptions, mm. that we find some bottlenecks which are maybe okay. Because the, these internal projects at a bank, they are very special. You, you really have a few days to understand uh, What, what are they doing there? What is this tool for? Who are the stakeholders? Who are the users there? It's not like, you know, a weather app. It's not like, a, I don't know, something for end users. It's something for people who are doing this for 10 years. And there is this process is maybe connected to, to the law, how mm -hmm. they have to do it. And you just have to ask the right questions. You have to make assumptions and... Um, and then, then have a look into it if this is uh, really the problem. And we had a lot of conversations with the client and thank God they were very open and, um, and yeah, very directly communicating, which made this um, project very easy to handle, let's say. It's by being curious that we enhance our desire for the better. Balint knows very well the importance of carrying this attitude in his daily work. And the good thing is now uh, that design is evolving this way and getting a place at the table is that 
you your rule is to be curious. I think in a business environment where people are minding their everyday job, your role is to go into the meeting room and ask questions and you are actually in your backpack, you have the user. So you are always carrying your user mm -hmm. in your backpack and you are asking for them because um, it's a very complex, especially this DZ, the DZ Bank project, it was now not for end users, mm -hmm. but you can still have new colleagues and why not build this platform more intuitive? Why not build it more human? And I think um, this is our fight, so to say. I think it's it's not a fight. This is our value to mm -hmm. uh, be curious and place questions on business environments where people don't even ask themselves these questions. Who else should ask if not us designers? Yeah. Here in Tangity, we challenge constructively constructive debates enrich us. We question what needs to be asked. Through critical thinking, we broaden our horizon and thrive. I think I, I, I learned that I have the right to ask any question. And uh, I think this is very valuable. Uh, and that no question is stupid. I think this is super important. Mm -hmm no matter because i always feel that i'm backed with my team so even if i ask something i think is stupid it turns out that i still should ask this question because maybe and this is also the idea behind product design that maybe stupid question also brings to a possible solution yeah. why not and um, i think this is pretty it's it's quite not a big learning but still I think I myself tend to block some of these things like behave well be professional and so on and so on and I think this playful way of being a designer also asking anything is can lead to a very serious solution so the question maybe is something what Normally, a few years ago, I wouldn't have asked because I wanted to behave myself or, or something like this. Yep. Um, now I, I ask it and uh, what I got from Tangity is that it's okay. It's okay to ask that. And I think it's, it's really cool because um, I really see this as a value. And I would encourage also any junior or senior, anyone on any level to uh, ask anything in a project. I thank Balin for sharing his story and his work experience. Thank you, Diego. Bye. Remember to follow our podcast channel. Monthly, we will upload a new story from a designer all around the world. You can also follow Tangity on LinkedIn or Instagram. Just look for Tangity Design. It's all for now. Bye bye.